where do you see the future for these two? Yeah, they've been around for a long time and in software that, that means a lot. That increase in conversion rate coupled with that decrease in margin forfeit actually ends up with a lot of money on the bottom line. That automation series currently has, I guess, an average conversion rate of about 19%. You have just made a silly question really sensible. Well done. Welcome to Add to Cart, the podcast that Express delivers all you need to know in the fast-moving world of e-commerce. Every month, Nathan Bush from 12 High and an e-commerce industry expert will share the news, research and insights that you need to know to keep you at the top of your game. And of course, keep your customers adding to cart. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode four of Add to Cart. My name is Nathan Bush from e-commerce consultancy 12 High. Joining me today will be Jason Anderson from email marketing agency and Zen. That's A-N-D-Z-E-N. He joins us to talk everything about email marketing automation. We're going to cover which email marketing platforms you should be considering for your e-commerce business. What kind of scenarios or user flows you should think about when starting your automation journeys? And then how to get started. Where do you start in setting up something that's really intelligent um, and lifts your ROI significantly by using email? All that is really practical um, and some great expert tips from Jason. But before we get into that, I just want to say thank you to everyone who has rated and reviewed us. We're up to 4.9 out of 5 out of 9 ratings on Apple iTunes. That's amazing knowing the level of professionalism from myself. I put it all down to our producer, Gil, who's uh, getting us those results. One piece of feedback, which I thought was great that I just want to discuss was from Renz, who said it's a great e-commerce podcast, but he'd love to see it being less Shopify-centric. So obviously, we have partners, Shopify Plus, who sponsor this and make sure that we can bring you this podcast, but in no way are we just a Shopify podcast. We know that they make up a huge part of the e-commerce ecosystem and are really important and doing some really exciting things, but we do intend on going bigger and broader. Renz, if that's just a way of you saying that you want less Josh Newport on the show, I think that's common and I don't hold that against you, but I think Josh may even be back. So, Hold tight, but yes, friends, we uh, aim to give you a lot broader perspective than just Shopify in the coming episodes. So as I said, thanks to Shopify Plus for partnering with us to deliver you this podcast. Let's get into today's episode, which is all about email automation. So bringing it to us is Jason from Anzan. Hello, Jason. Thanks for joining us. No worries. Thanks, Nathan. Glad to be here. Right. Pleasure. And um, let's get straight into it. Today, we're going to be talking about email automation. So, um, it's an area that I know that you guys have been in for a long time. You specialize in it yeah. um, long before a lot of the, the latest e-commerce hype. Can you give us a little bit about yourself and a little bit um, about your organization? Yeah, for sure. So, uh, my name is Jason Anderson. I'm the general manager at Anzen. Anzen is a email marketing and marketing automation specialist agency, and we actually specialize in marketing automation for e-commerce. So, our background is over about 10, 15 years. Uh, we were actually the Australian office of an email marketing software uh, that's about 20 years old. And when that software was acquired, it was eventually acquired by GoDaddy, we ended up spinning off from the Australian team and creating Anzen uh, and, I guess, offering consulting 
for marketing automation. And we started off very much in the B2B space, but then as e-commerce has grown in Australia over the last five to 10 years, uh, we've specialized more and more until today now where we've got offices around the world and uh, we really do specialize in marketing automation for e-commerce. Awesome. So when clients come into your office and they go, Jason, we need help with marketing automation or, or, or email automation, do you find that most people understand what email automation is? Yeah, actually. A lot of people, when they come to us, you know, they're, they're probably doing a big migration or maybe moving, say, from Shopify to Shopify Plus or maybe from Magento 1 to Magento 2. Uh, so, you know, they're an established brand. They have grown up on really strong top of funnel acquisition strategies, but they're at that point in their brand maturity where they're looking at their brand thinking, we really need to maximize our existing customers. We really need to get the most out of all of those ad dollars that we spent at the top of the funnel to really create long lasting relationships with our customers and not just have lots of first purchases, but lots of really strong customers with a really great lifetime value. Yeah. Awesome. And so do you see, where's your view on the difference between email automation and marketing automation? Because they both get thrown around a lot, right? Yeah, yeah, 100%. So we see them obviously as going hand in hand, but really when we talk about email automation, we're talking about the fundamentals of automating uh, an email send. But when we talk about marketing automation, for us what we're talking about there more is really the automation, the automatic transfer of data. So a really simple example is the automatic process of when someone is on your website and they're looking at a specific product and we're tracking that and if they place an order, having that data automatically transfer through to your email marketing software, uh, you know, you, um, even through to Facebook and to Google for your, maybe your ad funnels and things like that, the actual automated process of that data moving around. And then when we're talking about email automation or even advertising automation, we're talking about really that specific niche delivery of that exact message. Yeah, because it can be really confusing, right? Because there's a lot of platforms out there that go, we're the marketing platform and you look on their website and it's full of jargon and you go, Absolutely. what are you? Are you a CRM? Are you an yeah. email blaster? Are you an yeah. intelligence agency? It's all yeah, kind of- completely. Yeah, lots of, you know, we even see it, lots of companies will say, yeah, we're a marketing automation agency, but yeah, there might be a dev studio that just builds APIs uh, for things. Right through to people like us, uh, you know, and certainly that's part of our business. We have devs and we do work with APIs, but, you know, really what we are is a marketing agency and we are looking at email specifically as a niche and how we can use all those philosophies and tenets of marketing and apply them really strategically in email. Awesome, awesome. So you touched before on um, some of the journeys and we might come back and talk in detail around if we're starting email automation what journeys should we prioritize? Yeah. Before we do though, let's let's get in the headspace of some brands that people might know about. What are the kind of top platforms that you see used for email automation? So these days it depends a lot on your CMS. So, you know, what are you using for your actual e-com site? Um, we're definitely starting to see more and more some lines being drawn between platforms where they have a really specialist relationship with maybe one or two CMS, um, which really allows them to get that extra layer of data that can give you that cut through, which is maybe the difference between 5% or 10% conversion rate. Um, so the main platforms that we're seeing 
these days that are being used are really Klaviyo and Dot Digital. Uh, those two platforms, I think, have the most reach in terms of being affordable, uh, but also being able to generate a really, really high ROI. Um, you know, they're generally attainable at a pretty small to medium stage for a lot of e-commerce stores. And they've got a feature set that allows you to scale really right up until your enterprise. Um, and we often find that those two platforms really suit almost everybody's needs. And even between the two of them, they can be quite comparable. Really what you're looking at when you're picking between the two is what you're looking for in a platform, you know, dot digital, a little bit more advanced, um, more features, probably has a lot more things in one place. Whereas Klaviyo, much more about messaging. Um, so, you know, really focused on email. They've just launched SMS. Um, very much focused on that rather than having necessarily sort of the deeper integrations with like your ad platforms. Uh, but certainly as a tool, much simpler to use uh, than Dot Digital because it is so much more focused. And so it probably has, it's maybe easier to grasp if you're a merchant who's still doing a lot on their own or you've got maybe just that one marketing manager in your team and you need them to be really efficient. Um, that can be a better option. Whereas Dot Digital, you know, if you've got a team or if uh, you're using an agency that you want to arm them with a really powerful technical platform that they then have the skills to go and implement. That can be a better option, but really for the two of those, you can start on those, even if you're on a basic Shopify plan and you can scale all the way up to plus on, you know, Magento 2, you know, dot digital comes pre-installed in Magento uh, now, I believe as well. Um, wow. So both of those platforms are really great. And then of course you've got your ones that have been around forever, like MailChimp, um, which these days, obviously they've had a the big breakup with Shopify, which we might talk about later, but, um, you know, probably much more on the entry level side. Um, and then you've got other ones that are maybe your medium to bigger size, like a Masters, uh, as well. Cause I saw a Masters just one, or they were just ranked in the Gartner quadrant right up high for, um, dedicated email, or independent email platforms. Um, yeah. They seem to own that space really well where they're out there, they're going, we just do this and we do it really well. Yeah, yeah. They're definitely, they, you know, they've been around for a long time and in software that that means a lot. And, you know, you've had developers that have been there for a long time. It gives you a lot of time to develop your platform and develop um, really great features. Uh, but, you know, I would say for something like a master's, you know, it's, it's probably, it can be on the higher level for some people to try and reach for. Um, and again, being a bit more advanced, it can sometimes be a little bit more technical. Um, so I think, you know, depending on, it really comes down to what type of merchant you are, what maybe your team makeup is, who you're working with um, to make a decision. But I would certainly say for us, the, the two platforms that we've seen really outshining when it comes to the level of support they're giving their customers, the rate at which they're releasing new features, the integrations that they're building, and really their, having their ear to the ground in terms of what the market needs and responding quickly. Uh, Clavion Digital have been doing for us. Yeah, nice. I just worked with a client um, who was going through a similar exercise and we did an RFP with them. Um, yeah. And in the requirements, both of those, Clavio and Dot Digital, came out very similar. Mm. Um, in mm. the end, it came down to... Dot Digital won the business yeah. because of a better support model because they were yeah. so similar for how it fit their businesses. They kind of went, well, these guys are on the ground for us in our area um, yeah. and we feel that we'll get that input because it's so important for us to get um, the intelligence around it, not just the technology, but like input for our team on how to use this well and we felt that they would do it. 
Completely. Yeah. And it's a big advantage. You know, Delta Digital have two offices here. They've got an office in Singapore. They've got an office in London. Um, you know, they've got a really good spread uh, around the world in terms of support hours and having dedicated teams. And um, that means a lot for a lot of people, completely understandably, right? Yep. So what about, let's, uh, we kind of touched on it last time in the last podcast uh, with Josh Newport, uh, the Shopify and the um, MailChimp breakup. Which yes. seemed to come out of the blue because I think uh, it depends I where, uh, where you get your news, man. <laughs> exactly. Um, <laughs> I think anyone who kind of grew up with the digital era in the early 2000s probably got on MailChimp as one of the early ones because it was so easy to use, yeah. grew up with it, knew it. Um, and they're kind of going on their own journey now. Yeah, very much. Where do you see the future for these two? It's interesting. I think, look, MailChimp, I think, is doing something um, pretty clever in their space. Uh, but I think they're, they're probably moving towards isolating themselves a bit, and I don't think they have a problem with that. Um, I think where MailChimp sees their future really is, um, if you can imagine, you've got things like Salesforce Commerce Cloud, right? You know, these all-in-one big enterprise platforms. Adobe have theirs as well. Oracle has theirs. I think MailChimp have really done a good job of identifying that at the bottom end of the market, there is nothing like that. And if you're a merchant trying to get started today, the onus is on you to learn how to use Shopify, learn how to use maybe Klaviyo or um, something, you know, learn how to use Facebook and and all these platforms just to get your brand started. Um, And I think they've identified that there's a niche there available for someone to come in and offer a single source set of tools um, for you to be able to get started really quickly. Um, That's going to have a lot of appeal to a lot of people, I think. Um, But, you know, the drawback of that is if you get started on a platform like that, that's catering to the end of the market, you really have to ask yourself early, is that going to trap you? Or, you know, what what is it going to mean if you scale and you quickly outgrow this this suite of tools? Where is that going to leave you? Mm. But having said that, you know, I think there's absolutely a place in the market for it, you know, and for people that are just testing out a brand, you know, these mum and dad businesses that we see um, that have an idea and they want to give it a go. Uh, I think MailChimp have done a good job of creating a product that can cater to that, that tester, you know, that very early stage market. Um, my, my big fear for someone like them is that while they're putting a lot of dev resource and a lot of their capital into developing all of those tools, the thing that they're really good at, which is email and, um, the automations and everything they have, um, is the development on that side of the platform going to continue and um, at what rate? And are we going to see it improve or is that going to maybe sit where it is as they develop out these other tools? Um, because it is a great platform, but it, it really lacks a lot of the functionality um, that platforms like Clavio do. Um, and when you're talking about the price gap, I've never seen an instance where someone's moved from MailChimp to Clavio, started paying more, started using those more advanced features and not made an ROI that completely justifies the migration. Um, so I think that's the challenge. I think MailChimp are doing something very smart and I think they're going to cater very, very well um, for the market that they're going after. Um, but I think that they're going to they're going to sit very much in their own space as a product offering. Can you give us some examples around um, where you see people move from a MailChimp into a Clavio or a Dot Digital? And you yeah. talked about that increased ROI. What What are the specifics around that that really lead to that ROI? Yeah, so there are some really simple examples, to be honest. And, and actually, we've had merchants before who've made 
the ROI back entirely on just a single flow. And this is something that we'll talk about later, um, but discounting is, is obviously very common in e-commerce, right? And we talk a lot about um, if you're going to build an abandoned car flow, at what point might you offer an incentive? A lot of people that we see on MailChimp, you know, they'll set up the standard three-stage flow um, that only has a sort of a relative amount of intelligence in it. And that sort of leads to them saying, well, at the point of email three, you know, we're going to put 10% off in there. But it's very easily abused, right? Once people figure out the first time that they get that, they can just abandon their card every time and they're going to get that email every time. When you use something like Klaviyo, it's really one step to add something in that says, if they've ever placed an order before, don't send them the email with the discount. Um, and then very quickly, you plug that hole uh, in yeah. your in your brand and you're offering that incentive to get people over the line the first time and the people that don't get over the line, you might just send them a basic email that says, hey, don't forget, your card's meant to expire. And then they're more likely to come back and check out at a full price. Or obviously you can get more intelligent with it, right? You know, Something that we often do if they're coming back for a second order, we might look at their card value as well and have another split and say, well, if their card value is enough to get free shipping, why don't we send them an email to say, hey, you've qualified for free shipping? And if not, why don't we send them an email to say, hey, you're only X dollars away from free shipping? So with yeah. just that tiny, tiny little addition and feature set, we've had people take their abandoned cart flow where maybe by changing the language that they've used in the emails based on where the customer is in their journey stage, they might go from converting it, say, 8 or 9% up to 15%. Yeah. But also, a big fraction of that um, you know, 8 odd percent increase is now checking out at 100% margin instead wow. of only 90% margin. Um, so you can imagine that increase in conversion rate coupled with that decrease in um, margin forfeit actually ends up with a lot of money on the bottom line. And that's a big difference, I suppose, between a platform that is built, like MailChimp, that is built for opens and mm. reach versus yeah. something that's built for retail and e-commerce. Like Completely, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Cool. All right. So, let's um, get into some of those journeys because I know this is something that you guys specialize in. So, yeah. if client comes to you and goes, hey, Jason, we're ready to do some email automation. We've just bought the best whiz-bang version of Clavio. <laughs> Not <laughs> digital. Um, yeah. Where do we get started? Where do you guys look for the journeys that you've got to create? So early on, there's really three key stages that we look at. Um, the first is obviously capturing data in that nurture series. So what are we going to do to make sure that we're getting subscribers? And then once we've got them, how are we going to nurture them towards their first purchase? Um, so that's step one. Uh, the next thing that we'd look at is abandoned cart. So um that's obviously just a huge leap for almost everybody. It's generally the highest grossing automation that they have. Um, so we're very low hanging fruit. We tackle that quickly as well. Which is uh, funny. I've never met anyone who likes an abandoned card email, but they work. It, yeah, yeah, they work. Um, mm. I've seen people with abandoned card flows that net, you know, more than $100,000 a month. Um, yeah, you know, obviously that depends on the size of people that you've got abandoning cards and maybe that leads to you have a conversion problem, but still... Mm. Um, yeah, so those two. And then the third one that we often help people with, that's one really when we're talking about customer journey that flies under the radar, is having a dedicated automation series for taking someone from their first purchase to their second purchase. Oh. It's such a crucial engagement with a customer to get that engagement right. Generally, you find if you get someone from first to second, it's much more likely that you're going to get to third. Um, 
and forth. Whereas if it's sounding, you, it's sounding a lot like a dating analogy at the moment. Absolutely, right? <laughs> um, if you can get someone onto that base. Um, yeah. yeah. But this is the thing, like it, it sounds like a no-brainer. Of course, if someone comes back a second time, they're more likely to come back three or four times. Uh, but you'd be amazed at how many people have this steep, steep drop-off, um, you know, maybe 90% or more will check out once and never come back. Um, and they'll put in place some like a generic repurchase automation and the stats on the surface might look good. But when you dig into it, it's actually because they've got a really good core set of returning customers that are engaging with that automation. But they've got this massive hole in people that have gone through the first time and they completely disappeared. Um, yeah, gotcha. So that's the other big one that we try and uh, tackle. And um, those would be my, my three. I think if the merchant was to say to me, I've got nothing, what first three should I look at? It'd be those three. How was your Black Friday and Cyber Monday? If you're a Shopify merchant, I dare say it was pretty bloody good. Shopify merchants sold $2.9 billion worth of goods across 175 countries over the Black Friday Cyber Monday weekend. That's a 60% increase from last year. Where Shopify excels is in those sales days where they take care of tech to allow merchants to take care of the selling. And that's why their clients love them. If you had not such a great Black Friday Cyber Monday, it might be worth considering whether you are on the right platform. Shopify Plus have a handy commerce evaluation guide that walks you through what questions to ask and what you need to consider when choosing the right platform for your business. You can download the guide at shopifyplus.promo forward slash commerce guide. That's shopifyplus.promo forward slash commerce guide to get your hands on the guide today. On that last one, what are some of the techniques you've seen to really convert people from that first purchase to the second? Because I'm assuming the first one is done out of necessity or a price or a big discount. Um, It could be during a sale period. What are some of the techniques you've used to go to the second base? So it can be pretty broad. And usually what we do is incorporate a few things depending on the type of store. So if it's someone like, say, fashion, particularly if they appeal to two genders, um, we generally try and be a bit clever about how we launch into that automation. So if we identify that somebody has, uh, let's say it's fashion, we've got an activewear client as a good example, have men's and women activewear, we can see where they purchase a collection from, right? Was it from the men or women's range? Um, so straight away at the start of that flow, we're branching people off depending on if they purchase from men or women um, and if they purchase from both because, you know, some people buy for their partner or whatever. And then from there, we've got different product recommendations throughout the flow. So we might use slightly altered language to talk about the products that we're offering. Initially, we'd usually start off with a thank you. You know, you're trying to ingratiate people into your family and into your brand. So it can be a really strong time to give a little bit of history about the brand story, maybe talk about where the brand came from and what the brand stands for. Um, Thank them for placing their order. From there, uh, we might look at trying to get a review um, for the first time. So we send that off. The great thing about asking for a review is you can usually offer an incentive. So if you do have those price-sensitive people, you can get a little bit of good user-generated content in return for giving them an incentive, and that may then lead to a second purchase organically, which is great. The next thing that we often find can be a great thing to do is to offer an incentive for people to refer a friend. And it's really important that you're, you're timing that email similar to your review email, depending on what your shipping time is. So if you know that standard shipping, let's say in Australia, you know you um, customers going to have it within, say, five days. If you time that for seven days, give them a day with the product, you know that their affinity 
assuming that you've delivered on your product promise is going to be an all-time high, right? They're never going to be as happy with your brand as when they've just got their product. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the perfect time to hit them and say, hey, do you love your product? Tell a friend about it. They'll get 10% off and you'll get 10% off. Um, immediately, people are probably thinking, particularly if it's fashion, right? Oh, like a, this would be the perfect shirt to go with the skirt or the perfect jeans to go with that top. So you're getting the right message in front of them at the right time. Yep. And then from there, usually what we do, and platforms like Clavion.digital make this really easy, is we start doing some intelligent cross-selling. So um, both of those platforms have the ability to put a block into an email and just you can basically say, just display the top three products that they're most likely to buy based on what they purchased before. And Clavion.digital, can just, their AI engines will do the math and they'll look at every customer that's ordered what your customer has and everybody who's, what else have they ordered and then drop that straight into the email for you. And you can tailor that to being, if it was popular in the last 30 days or the popular products that were popular all time or whatever. So it can be really relevant, really recent and obviously mathematically or statistically going to be the most likely to convert. But it also helps your, if you imagine as a customer, because you're using that data-driven uh, content, it's very likely that you're going to nail it and it's very likely that customer's going to open that email and think like, oh, wow, this brand actually, this is personalized, this is tailored to me. And personalization is something throughout really that post-purchase, that initial one, that's probably mm-hmm. a more overarching thing is, you know, even doing simple things like I mentioned before about breaking it out by gender or, you know, if you notice that they purchase a certain MVP product from your line if you're a technology company, for example, be really smart about that first interaction and try and make it as personal as possible mm. because that's really what's going to build that relationship and push people over to the next order. And people love to love brands, you know, like there's a reason we all shop um, and there's a reason why most of the time you see someone walking down the street in a Nike shirt, they're also wearing Nike shoes. Um, when people find a brand that they like, they like to be loyal and they like to feel like they're part of a community and a tribe. So you really you've got to be thinking about what is it in my content and my product range that I can put in front of these people to make them feel like they're included and that we've got a community. Mm. The other big thing that we see working really well these days is private Facebook groups. Um, so obviously we don't um, do much of the Facebook work, but we'll often build automations, particularly in that first purchase journey, to say, thanks for joining the community. We've got a private Facebook group that's only for our customers. Um, that's cool. Click the secret link, go, apply to be invited. You can even put in the email. We've had people who will actually say, we're going to double-check to make sure that you're an actual customer once you request to join and once you are, like, we'll approve you. And it adds that level of exclusivity and then people feel really engaged. And then, you again, you open up a new marketing channel as well to be able to communicate them, with them uh, by having a private group on Facebook. That's a really good tip. And I think I'm showing my age here, but I bought, like, a, a hose link, like a retractable yeah. hose. Yeah, 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 yeah. It goes on, yeah. 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 I'm like, man, I'm so old. But I bought it and I was really pumped about it. And then I got the email following saying, come join our Facebook group. And I ended up doing it. Yeah. And now I'm like this member of a hose link group yeah, on Facebook yeah. where yeah. I see sprinklers and stuff all yeah, the time. And yeah. I love it. Yeah, people I never do. thought I'd turn into that guy. Yeah, yeah. We've got a client, um, Eco Modern Essentials. So they do um, uh, essential oils, right? And they have blends um, for like diffusers and things like that. Um, but they do a whole range of things with essential oils and they have a Facebook community and it's incredible. The people that are in that community creating their own blends with their essential oils, posting their recipes and sharing them amongst each other, they've really built, and they've done a lot to nurture that, but they've built an incredible community. Um, and that's a core part of the email strategy that we have for them is when someone becomes a customer and really pushing them into that community to say there are people here that are as passionate as you about these products and you know come and find people that you can relate to. Yeah, cool. So the two key integrations 
to do a lot of the stuff that you're talking about there is obviously into product, <laughs> which I'm assuming Clavio and Dot Digital. Um, if yeah. you're integrated through the Shopify plugin or the Big Commerce plugin yeah. or Magento, or whatever it is, plugin. yeah, yeah, they've all got really tight native integrations, uh, cool. which is obviously really helpful. And you know, this is stuff, not stuff that you need to be a developer to do. This is you know, point and click, um, and it'll get done for you, uh, which is how you need it to be. Beautiful. And then the second integration is with your source of truth for your customer. Yes. So this is, I think, probably a contentious one because mm-hmm. we've got customer data platforms making a move. In the old school, we've still got CRM systems out there. Some people manage customer records within their e-commerce platform. Yeah. Where do you see the central source of customer? So if you want to go, I want to know which customers open what and what products they're interested in, how do you pull that together? So it's an interesting one. and I guess I think it comes back to... The merchant, like I said before, you know, if you've got a really strong bricks and mortar presence, um, and you have, uh, you know, you have your ERP, and um, then you have your strong online presence, and you need all of that to be syndicated somewhere so that it's all reconciled, um, then you probably are going to be looking at one of those bigger data platforms. But some of those have integrations as well, you know, or at least they have APIs, and Clavio and Digital both have open APIs, so you can integrate that sort of stuff. We've worked with both, and we've integrated a fair bit, you know, we've done EIP integrations with both Clavio and Digital. Cool. Um, so it's definitely possible. You know, we'd be selfish and say for us, it's always great to have it in the email platform because um, <laughs> obviously it puts a lot of data at our fingertips. But, you know, that isn't to say these days with the way that APIs work, it's really up to you and, and what you're most comfortable with. Most of this stuff can be pushed around, um, if not live, very close to. So for me, we generally like it to be in the email platform. But, I mean, even that now, you know, Clavio released a feature now where they can actually push data back upstream to Shopify. So if you want to use, you keep Shopify as a central point of truth, you can have us be recording data in Clavio. So a really good example is um, if you've got a complex product range, we might sometimes do something with, say, in your welcome email, we might say, hey, here's your 10% off email, let's get you to the right place and put a couple of category tiles in front of you. Then whichever category tile you click on first, we'll tag you in the background and say, okay, they're probably more likely interested in this product collection. We can add that as a profile in Clavio and we can push that upstream to Shopify automatically. So it really comes down to your appetite. That's a really smart way to do it and is like an advancement on the old, when you used to sign up for an email form and it used to say, Tell us what sports you're into, rugby league, yeah. netball, whatever yeah. it is, and you'd have to mm-hmm. click dots of what you're interested in and a lot of the time what you clicked isn't actually what you're interested in whereas yeah. you're going yeah. on your behaviour. That's it, exactly. And, um, you know, we do a lot of similar stuff like that. Even when it comes to data capture, even further up the funnel, right, we'll, we'll be looking at was the pop-up on a male product page or a female product page in terms of what the collection they're looking in. And we might assume, have a tag that assumes that they're probably one of those two genders based on where they signed up from. Or yeah, if it's more collection-based, which collection do they come from? So there's a lot that you can do intelligently these days, which, you know, back in the day you would have to do manually. And like you said, it can be very sketchy. Yeah, absolutely. Touch on loyalty for a second and email Mm. automation for loyalty. Where have you seen email play a critical role in loyalty programs, I'm talking about loyalty programs, not the overall concept of loyalty, um, yeah. in terms of driving that engagement beyond just discounts for members. Yeah. So um, Eco is maybe a good example as well, Eco Modern. So they have uh, they use a loyalty program and currently the, the data capture is, is really just 
structured around signing up, um, but we're looking to make a shift from that towards being much more points orientated. So, and it's actually a great way to gather data as well. So a really good example is a lot of people in the loyalty program, you know, you're sort of sacrificing saying get 10% off when you first sign up to rather be get 200 points when you first sign up. Uh, and you kind of rely on the customer to do the maths and figuring out that that's going to get them a discount. But what we generally see is actually you can almost survey a customer and give them a few points that total up to that discount and get quite a lot of good information out of them to get that 10% off more than just signing up from a form. So, for example, you can have that pop-up say, get 200 points for signing up. When they go through and they sign up, then the next page says, great, now that you've signed up, get an extra 100 points for giving us your birthday and an extra 100 points for um, you know filling out your first name or some extra data or something like that. And if you have it very clear on the screen that, amount of points that they're going to is going to total that next discount tier that they're looking for. Yep. Great. You know, they're going to hand that over. They're going to get that extra discount. Um, and that's going to allow you to have a much richer engagement with the subscribers straight out of the gate, try and nurture them to their first purchase. Which is nice too, because it probably allows you to take less information up front, knowing that you can get yes. it down the track. Exactly. But another example, um, an active work client of ours, Muscle Nation. So, before they launched, before they were considering doing loyalty program, we did a little trial for them where we basically created some tiers that we didn't tell anyone about. And the customers kind of, if they spent a certain lifetime spend, they would just get hit with an email that says, hey, congratulations, you're in the secret club. Um, and once they got in the first time, we sort of told them about the different levels and told them what they were aiming for and what discounts they'd get when they got to these new levels. But getting in in the first place was completely secret until you did it. That automation series ultimately currently has, I guess, an average conversion rate of about 19% when people receive it, which is great. But when we actually launched it, we backdated it and launched it to existing people to introduce them into their tiers and basically say, we're launching this thing. When we launched it, it actually had a 31% conversion rate. And one of the emails in the flow actually converted at 37%. Brilliant. And the most interesting thing that we found when we launched the program was some of the discounts were quite heavy that we were offering if you were in some of these top echelons of of discount. What we saw was that even though we were giving a fixed dollar amount and people with these high coupons could have checked out and just had a completely free order, free shipping, pay nothing, just got their products for free, almost none of them did. Almost all of them spent an equivalent amount of money, if not more, because they had that discount. So some people were getting discounts of $75 and previous to that, they would have had an average order value of about $75. They would have come to the store and spent $150 and used that $75 voucher. So they actually would have been worth $225, but they were so, I guess, inspired by the discount and the loyalty that the brand was showing to them that they just went on a massive shopping spree and splurged. We, we did a product release about two weeks later, like a new collection launch, and a lot of people had hung on to their discounts. Uh, when we did that product launch, we saw people order the exact same amount that they normally would, and then they just used the discount to get all those same products in a different color. Yeah. Uh, but they still went out and spent that money. They weren't just abusing the codes um, and abusing the discounts. Like a, you know, It's easy to just assume that people are just going to take advantage, but actually what it was doing was building such brand loyalty that these people weren't thinking about it like, oh, great, I'm going to get a free extra order. The way they were thinking about it was, great, I should go and spend some money and mm. I can spend even more because I'm going to have this extra discount. And that's the whole point of these loyalty programs. Right? The point isn't to just necessarily give them more discounts. The point is to 
educate a customer to say, hey, don't just shop, shop with us three times a year, shop with us five times a year. Yeah. And you know what I'm loving about your approach, and it's gone through the whole episode here, is that you haven't had a purist view of engagement in terms of just hit them with the right content, the right story, the right time, and the rest, and the rest will take care of itself. And also, you haven't gone just rely on pricing and promotions to move the needle every time. Mm. You've kind of used both together. Um, and I think it's yeah. usually a really telltale sign as soon as you speak to a retailer in how they use email, mm. whether they use it as the needle in the arm to inject sales quickly whenever they need it yeah. or whether they see it as that long-term relationship building. Um, but you've got a nice approach there where you're blending them both together. That's right. Like it's look, Email is a part of your marketing ecosystem, right? It, it doesn't sit on its own and you need to be thinking about when you're doing your marketing. Um, it's a bit of a cliche, but you need to be thinking about all of your marketing and your, all of your brand and the role that email plays in that. And, you know, email plays a crucial role, in our opinion, really in everything. If you want to have a good social strategy, you need to have a strong email strategy that is directing people there at the right time and the right place. Um, if you want to have a strong loyalty program, if you want to be generating lots of reviews, you know, we build integrations, like even subscription platforms, right, like where we have something like Recharge integrated with Klaviyo so that we can ensure that when we're setting up automations, we're actually tracking those people that have become a subscriber and then sending them emails to thank them for becoming a subscriber on top of also checking out. And then we might even build different segments around you know, when we're going to run a promotional campaign, we might talk to those people a little bit differently. Or if we have a loyalty program, we might talk about, about the subscription very differently and say, hey, look, if you get a subscription, we'll give you double points every time your, your subscription order comes in and you're going to sit in this special subscriber tier where you're going to get these this many extra points per dollar spend and things like that. So email is great because it's really the only one-to-one email tool other than Messenger that's available. Mm. Um, and it allows you the amount of data that you can automatically pull into your email platform and drop into an email when it sends actually allows you to have really authentic one-on-one conversations with people where you can build that brand loyalty. Yeah. Mate, thank you very much. You've been so generous with uh, your knowledge um, in what you give out to your clients uh, to make it available to our audience. We've um, talked a lot around the different technology and especially the dot .digital and Clavio platforms, which is used by many e-commerce retailers. Talked about some of the journeys that you would start with and then yeah. we dived into a little bit more around the strategy, um, especially with loyalty and, and ongoing engagement. So hopefully there's something that everyone can take um, at least one or two tips out of and apply to their business. Yeah. But I have left the last question and probably the hardest question till last. Um, sure. What makes a good subject line? Oh, what a question. <laughs> um, yeah, it's interesting, uh, the old subject line debate. And I think, like, not to uh, cop out a little bit, but it does come down to your brand. I think these days um, you need to be considering when you're writing a subject line who you're talking to and where you're talking to them in the journey. It's, it can be really helpful to segment. If you're talking about a campaign like Black Friday's coming up, right, a uh, really simple piece of easy advice um, if you're going to send a campaign around Black Friday, uh, go into your email platform and create two segments, one segment for people who've placed an order before and one segment for people who haven't. Everyone who's placed an order before, you'll have their first name because that will have come through from your uh, CMS integration. Put their first name in the subject line. For everybody who hasn't placed an order before, Keep it simpler, keep it short, have the discount. Uh, if you want some emojis, if they fit your brand, do that. Just measure the difference, uh, even in doing that. But that's what I mean about, I guess, being intelligent about 
the relationship that you're having with the customer. When you're going to run a campaign like that, think about what data you can use in that subject line that's going to make the most out of it. You know, if you're launching a new collection, think about how you can pull something in. You know, you get a lot of data when someone places an order these days. Um, and a lot of it you can pull into subject lines and preview text um, by using those short codes. Mate, you, you have just made a silly question really sensible. Well done. No, no worries, thank you. <laughs> I thought you were going to ask me, um, the question I always get is, uh, which day and what time is oh. the best uh, to send an email? <laughs> well, I think there's a whole episode coming up on that, so we'll wait. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Mate, where can people find you and Anzen? Uh, John, so uh, just Google us, Anzen, A-N-D-Z-E-N. Jump on the website. We've got case studies up there if you want to have a look at some recent client work. Uh, otherwise, obviously, get in contact. We do audits for free, so we'll happily just jump in for a merchant, have a look at what they've got set up, and provide some advice. Uh, and if we can work together, then that's always great. And if not, we've got a blog that's full of really rich content on how to get started, how to set things up, how to take things to the next level. So please jump on the website, have a look, uh, and reach out legend thank you so much and hopefully uh we get to have a chat again soon no worries cheers mate have a good one how good was that despite my efforts to throw jason off with some stupid jokes about getting to third base and asking silly questions about the best subject lines uh he remained the zen master and really answered every question with something that was really practical and useful and i really loved his balance of an approach around generating instant sales versus a long-time loyalty and brand approach. So I think some really great points there. Hopefully, you've got one or two things that you can take out of it for your business and for setting up your email automation journeys. As we said, Jason can be found in LinkedIn and also on his website. So feel free to reach out to him there. If you're after more e-commerce news, insights, and information, sign up for 12 Highs email, HighMail. Uh, you can go to 12high12high.com.au forward slash HighMail, H-I-G-H-M-A-I-L, and sign up for the newsletter. Every month we release a This Month in E-commerce newsletter. We'll even do one just near the end of December. And it goes through everything that you need to know from that month. It's a bit of a 10-minute read, but we think that you'll get a lot of value out of it. Okay, guys, if you haven't finished trading, go well. There's a few days left before Christmas. Other than that, I hope that you your websites stay up, that you have a successful period, and that you come back in the new year feeling a little bit refreshed and ready to go all again. Thanks, guys. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas.